Jockey and Daryl started a couple of weeks, if my people humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And if we can take up an offering before I preach, I think, is there, there, no, is, did we take up an offering? I just see your basket here in the front. <laughs> we have to meet the Lord halfway. We actually have to put the baskets around for, for the money to come in. But they also come in through the internet and we just... Uh, we just thank you, Lord, for your abundant provision in our lives. So we are called in the time that we are here to humble ourselves and pray. And for our nation, in the earlier on, in the, we sang that song, and it's an old song, Shine, Jesus, Shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire, flow, river, flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy, send forth your word, and let there be light. And it's a very old song, and in a sense, that's where we're at. As we look at our nation, that is what we require. We require the revival of God, we require you and I to be revived. You, you require, we are required to humble ourselves and pray. If we thought we had the answers, we wouldn't need to pray. But in actual fact, we don't have the answers. We probably don't have most of the answers in our own lives, in our own families. And so this scripture is pushing us into God, pushing us into humility, pushing us into our need of a Savior. We need a Savior in every area of our lives. And so we cannot be proud and arrogant and say that we self-made men and women of, and, we, and, we, and we kind of have got it all together. Because as I look at ministering to people and as I look at uh, the people's lives, I see their need of a Savior. I see my need of a Savior. And so I'm wanting to look at this. If my people humble themselves, humble themselves, what does it look like? How do, how do I wake up one day? Do I wake up one day and just say, I'm going to be humble? For me, the first step in, in this humility process in being humble is an encounter with the risen King, is an encounter with Jesus, is a realization that we uh, need a Savior, that He is a great Savior. And if, I'm going to read quite a lot of Scripture today. So forgive me for that. No, don't forgive me for that. Let the Scripture... Form our hearts, change our hearts, ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that as I read these scriptures, the scriptures will preach themselves. And so the first scripture, and many of the scriptures are probably some of my favorite scriptures. The first scripture is Isaiah chapter 6. That's if I can find Isaiah. And we know this portion well. It's a beautiful portion. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. 
Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and the two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And they called out, and one called to another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It's full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said to, to, I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people who are, who have unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I love the scriptures. I, I need to, we need to use our imagination as we read these stories. Because sometimes we've read them so often that we forget the, the majesty of it and the, the magnificence of it and, and how difficult it was for the scriptural writers to write down what they saw. These heavenly visions, what they saw. What was that? What was that seraphim? What did it, it had uh, six wings, it covered his eyes, covered his face, and he covered his feet and it flew it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an amazing picture. And Isaiah has this encounter with the living God. He sees him on the Lord's day. He came to, he came to the church. He came to, 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 to worship the Lord. And he encountered Jesus. He encountered God. And what is the response? When we come into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, what is the response? The response of Isaiah was to acknowledge his sinfulness, his is to acknowledge his need of a savior. He suddenly realized that he wasn't this big shot, but he needed a savior. Because he was born in a, in a time where there were unclean people and he was, his lips were unclean. And the beauty of this is just as we encounter Jesus, Jesus meets us where we are. He meets us, we come before him humbly and suddenly realize our need. So the main step in this humility thing, if you and I are going to walk in humility, is to humble ourselves, is to encounter God and realize that in the eyes of God, we are small and insignificant. And then when we've done that, what does he do? Then one of the seraphim flew, flew to me, having, his, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So that's what happened. When he acknowledged his need, when he, when he humbly came before his, before his God, where he confessed his sin, where he repented, what did he come? He, he got set free. And that's the beauty of coming to the table and coming to Jesus and coming to the cross. And so that's the first story I'd want to have a look at as an encounter with Jesus, as an encounter with God. Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Moses, uh, he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Bushes would automatically combust because in, uh, in, in the, in the, of the heat of the, of the land. But this one did not get consumed. And so he turned and he had a look, he had a second look, and, and, and he encountered God there. 
He encountered God and God called him out, in, out, out of the bush. Moses, Moses, here am I. Then he said, do not come here. Take off your sandals. Off your, take the sandals off your feet. For the place you are standing on is holy ground. And so he has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And he gets his, his, uh, his marching orders. He gets his, his direction. He gets his vision of what he's got to do with his life. He's got to rescue his people, Israel. And then Moses in verse 11 says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt? Who am I? Isn't that you and I as we come in the, in, in the face of God? Who am I? Who am I to be, to be anything? Who am I to be a leader of a, of a, of a small community called Sarepta? To be a shepherd in, in, the, in this church? Who am I to be... To be blessed by going on a, on a sabbatical. My, my point of my sabbatical is I, I want to encounter the Lord like Moses did, like uh, Isaiah did. And so there's a, who am I? I, I, I? What do I have to bring? And this is God's response. He said, But I will be with you. I will be with you. That's all you and I need to know. That God is with us. Wherever we go, whatever He's called, called you to. That He is you. He might have called you to be a CEO. He might have called you to be a mom. He might have called you to be a grand who looks after children. He might have called you to be a teacher. He might have called you to be uh, whatever you're called to be. Know today that God is with you. Might have called uh, Bob Catlin is not here with us today. He's playing the golf championships today. Is that correct? Pray that he hits the ball straight and far. Whatever we do, we do it with God, for, for God, and, 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 we, and, and we love him in, in it all. And then I think last week we looked a little bit at the, the transfiguration. Jesus went up the mountain, took a couple of his disciples, and, and there they prayed, and his face shone, and it, it's, the, it's this, when we encounter Jesus, everything else changed. Nothing can ever be the same. And so his face shone. And Peter impetuously said, uh, hmm, let's build some tabernacles. He wanted to do something. When we encounter Jesus, there's, a, there's something for us to do. Then the other revelation is the revelation of John, chapter 1. And somehow in the prayer meetings and somehow in, in, in the family, this is where we've been. We've been stuck in Revelation 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, probably, probably there at, at, at the moment. Again, I was in the Spirit... Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. On the Lord's day, I heard a voice behind, behind me, a loud voice, like a trumpet. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Verse 12. 
Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. Now listen to this voice that was speaking to God. Let your imagination run. Ask the Holy Spirit to just give it, just uh, give us a glimpse of this of this powerful uh, time with, with 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 God, with Jesus. I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. What a a description. I'm sure John was at, at a loss in terms of words and how he describes this amazing encounter. We must remember John. He says of himself that he was the he was the the Lord's favorite disciple. You must remember that John knew Jesus and walked with Jesus in the flesh. They, he was privy to the transfiguration. He, he, he saw the miracles happen. He was uh, the beloved, one of the beloved disciples. He had walked with Jesus. And uh, when he saw Jesus now, what was his response? What was the response of this this disciple who had walked day by day with, with, with Jesus. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. That is the response that we have when we encounter the living God. We fall down at the feet of Jesus. And we worship Him. We worship Him. What a privilege. And yes, I know last year we did a, we did a, a, a series on uh, that God is our Father. And so we can, at, in one sense, run into our Father's throne room. And we can sit on His lap. And we can chat to him. But it's always, there's always two sides of the coin. And I love that side. But there's also the side where I see Jesus, where I see God in his majesty and his holiness. And, and there's, there's a sense in which you can't come into the holiness of God. Jesus has made a way which we can boldly come in now. And the, the, curtain has been rented from the top to the bottom so we can enter into his presence. But he's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's still the person that created the heavens and the universe. And as I encounter him like that, as you encounter him, like as you read the scriptures, go back and read the scriptures that I've talked about today and ask ask the Lord just to show you him in in a new way. 
Because most of us here have been walking with Jesus for a long time. And we can become staid and we can become routine people and we do our quiet time in a certain way. But for what's coming, for the new, for, 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 the, for the future, we need to be close to Him. We need to be so in love with Him, so overwhelmed with Him, so overawed with, by His nature, His greatness, His majesty. Because there's a world out there that does not have any hope. And the only hope for the world is Jesus. Yes, I know we're having elections and we have to pray for those in authority and the kings that we have and the Brexit people and we watch those things and you, and you see just the, the lack of leadership all over. And so you and I need this encounter with Jesus that as I go and into the, each day, that I can make a difference. That I can bring hope to the world. And so, the starting point is humility. The starting point is realizing I need a Savior. Last week I was meant to preach on uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's going to give you and I grace as we humble ourselves under His mighty hand. Maybe just have a quick squiz at that. Because it fits in with this humility thing. As As I humble myself before God, what is going to happen? What is going to happen in your life, Andrew, as you humble yourself under His mighty hand? Jan, who's just been And I see you and wasn't sure whether you would be here today. And so we just pray. I just pray for for you now. I pray for the blessing of God. I pray for the the mercy of God that, that He would just bless you with His presence. That you would Sabbath and you would rest in Him. And He would give you His mind. And you would encounter Him. Moment by moment, day by day. And so I bless you with health. I bless you with good health and strength. Strength to your body. So in the scripture, in, let me go and read it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 7. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, let me go back, sorry, verse 5, likewise you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He will exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peter gives four incentives for uh, why we should humble ourselves under his mighty, under the mighty hand of God. The first one is God is opposed to the proud. Nothing could be worse for you 
than to have an infinitely powerful and holy God opposed to you. Nothing could be worse. Nothing could be worse in your life to have a God that is opposed to you and he's, he, he doesn't like you. God is opposed to the proud. That's what it says in the scripture. Secondly, it also says God gives grace to the humble. And nothing could be more important or better for you than to have an infinitely powerful and wise God treat you graciously. I want to be treated graciously. I want to be treated with favor and mercy. One of the ifs. And talked about the ifs and the thens. One of the ifs is, as I humble myself, then what will happen? God will uh, treat us graciously. So he does that to the humble. If you are humble, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are we when we know that we need God, because He will bless us. For theirs is the kingdom of God. As we humble ourselves before God, He will. We will get. The, we will inherit the earth. This is, the scriptures are incredibly powerful. The second incentive for humbling yourself today is God, verse 6. God will use His mighty hand to exalt the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt you at the proper time. He will exalt you. As you humble yourself, don't have to uh, find position and get and try and work it out and, and some, humbly submit to God and He will work it out. Humbly submit to God, James. That's what the Lord is saying. And as, as, as you do that, He will work it out. He has plans and purposes for your life. And so He's, he's got it. Might not always be exactly what we think it should be, but God knows. And finally, what a good section, this verse 7. We all know it off by heart, I'm sure. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So that's the fourth thing. That as we humble ourselves, then we can give Him our stuff. Give Him our children. Give Him our financial issues. Give Him our Whatever is worrying you today, it says cast your anxieties on him. This weekend, I've been very kindly blessed with a, coming up now with a weekend at a, at, a, at a farm we used to go to as children, and we're going to do some fishing. So I'm going to be casting my line out there. I'm going to cast my cares out to God. And God will catch them, and God will care, care for them. And I hope to catch a few fish. That would really be nice. But the fourth incentive is God cares for you and I. So in conclusion, may we have a revelation of God. May we see Him. May we see Him in, 
in His temple high and lifted up. And may we see as these guys did, as, as John and Isaiah, and may we see God. Moses in a bush, he saw God in a bush. Of all the strange places to see God in a bush. God was in a bush. How do you describe God? Well, sometimes he's a bush. That's what I need. Because as I see that, I see my need of a Savior. I see my need. And as I humble myself, he's going to lift me up. He's going to lift you up. He's going to exalt you. And he's going to care for you and I. So thank you, Lord. I thank you for this word. It's only half the sermon. But uh, next week, Alex is going to carry on in the same theme of humility. So, if everybody can stand. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I ask that I would see Jesus, that you would open the eyes of my heart, that you would give me a spirit of revelation, that you would give me a spirit of wisdom, and that I would see Jesus, and I would see Jesus in my every situation. And because of that, there will be a thankfulness in my heart. Because Jesus reigns and Jesus rules. Amen.